What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Diabetics Doing Things. We have a very special sponsored episode for you today by Medtronic Diabetes with Ali Dianati, who is the Vice President of Research and Development in Clinical and Regulatory Diabetes at Medtronic. I'm very excited for this episode and for you guys to get a little bit of insider information from Ali because we focus really strongly on the research and development and innovation elements of his job and his team's work at Medtronic. So really excited to dig into this with you guys. And this interview kind of spans the entire hybrid closed loop discussion, different product discussion, and where Medtronic is currently on the roadmap for patients. And really we focus a lot on what the last 20 years uh, of diabetes innovation has brought us uh, because that's the amount of time I've been living with diabetes. And so someone who's diagnosed today is getting a very different experience than someone who was diagnosed 20 years ago. A reminder that I am a paid spokesperson for Medtronic, but my thoughts and opinions as voiced in this podcast are my own. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Ali Dianati. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. And this is actually our first live recording of 2022. So happy new year to everybody out there. Looking forward to some awesome content this year. My special guest today is Ali Dianati, uh, and he is the Vice President of Product Innovation and Operations at Medtronic Diabetes. And you guys know, uh, I am a Medtronic spokesperson. And so this uh, podcast is part of that agreement. But uh, Ali and I are going to dig into some really cool questions about technology and diabetes technology specifically and where it's headed and, and where we've come from, we've come a long way really recently. So Ali, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. really appreciate being on. Uh, and I appreciate your time. I think uh, that's one of the things that this podcast has given me that I really didn't expect is to get to bend the ear of uh, you know inside uh, industry folks who are powering the future of diabetes for people like me. So uh, before we get into our questions that we've, you know, put in for the podcast today. I what I was you know, kind of doing a little research on you and that's that's my podcast host way. I always try to find the last interview that you've done so that I don't make that duplicative. And uh so I listened to you on the Empowered Patient podcast, which is uh, you know, a really cool podcast for just general patient news. Uh and I think I'd like to put a little bit more of a diabetes patient angle on uh on your interview today. Uh, you've been with Medtronic for the past about six years. Uh, and you know, in that time, and we're going to talk about this a lot today, there's been some really significant adva advances in diabetes technology in that time. And, uh, I I'd love to know, you know, just at a high level, what attracted you to this, the, the opportunity and like, did you, it, was it surprising to you at the level of acceleration and research and development that has, uh, that has taken place and that we've sort of undergone over the last five to six years? Absolutely. And believe it or not, that was one of the reasons why I made the jump. I actually have been in med device uh, for a while uh, and, you know, over 20 years. And because of that fact, uh, where I was before was mostly an implantable product like pacemakers, neuromodulation, that kind of thing. And uh, ironically, the thing that uh, frustrated me more than anything uh, was the fact that, you know, I'd go to a physician's office, uh, meet patients that were using our technologies at the time. And, you know, they wouldn't even know uh, what company it came from. Like they, they didn't have a brand. It was whatever the physician said was best for them. They would take and then not even think twice about it after that. It's just their pacemaker or their neurosim um, device. And uh, ironically, coming here, uh, that was one of the attractions. Everybody that owns a Medtronic pump knows that it's a Medtronic pump. And that brand means something. And that connection directly uh, to the people that we're serving 
is super important to me. Um, so, you know, folks like yourself, uh, you know, who actively use our product day in and day out, um, having that connection uh, and, and seeing the impact that we make is super important to me. So that's why I made the jump. Oh, thank you for that. And uh, it's really interesting to think about from like a consumer perspective. And I have talked about this at length uh, previously. Yeah, that brand is with you. You wear a Medtronic pump or a Medtronic sensor and or using a Medtronic app on your you know devices. You interact with the brand quite a bit. And you know, as patients, sometimes those interactions are solving really complex and difficult problems that uh, you know have plagued us many people for years. Some people who are just getting to know those problems associated with diabetes and to have somebody uh, there with alongside you and like a technology alongside you really do build a partnership over a long period of time. Lots of ups and downs, not just blood sugar related. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I take a lot of calls, you know, from people that are having good days and bad days. Um, and as a result of that, you know, we incorporate what we learn uh, into the product, of course, and try to make it better every day um, with it. And so uh, there's a lot to it. Uh, and, you know, again, having that closeness is what makes the difference, in, in my opinion. And so it's not just me. I'm translating that within our, our broader team as well and, you know, within the executive staff so that, you know, we maintain and, and improve that connection because uh, that ultimately is what matters most. That's a really interesting perspective. And I, I had a question, you know, about your career in, you know, product innovation, research and development. Is that something that you've always been interested in? And like that, did that really resonate with you as like a process of ongoing improvement? Is that sort of just a good fit for you? Or how, how did you end up in, uh, in the R&D and, and product innovation world? Yeah, so uh, ironically, it started uh, uh, when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. And, um, you know, my, my parents both worked. And so I usually ended up going to summer school. And what happened one summer was that there were no summer school availability where I lived. And so uh, a cousin, my cousin gave me like a, a mini bike, if you would, uh, like at a lawnmower engine, uh, a motorcycle that didn't work. Um, and he said, hey, for your summer project, why don't you get this thing running? Um, and so he helped me along with my dad. And as a result of that, you know, kind of became interested in mechanical things. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. Uh, and so by virtue of, you know, just uh, being bored one summer, uh, it really did you know, changed my whole life uh, as a result of becoming somebody that wanted, you know, to make things work. I mean, it's probably the best way to say it. And ironically, it started with probably the most famous pump out there, which is, you know, an engine. Uh, and my history has been, uh, you know, in pumps along uh, a lot of the way. So my first job out of college uh, happened to be working on pumps for rocket engines. Uh, and then from there, I, I probably worked on the, you know, a, a pump we all carry, which is the human heart. Uh, and so, uh, built a lot of technologies to help people that had arrhythmias and, and issues with their hearts. Uh, and then ultimately to come here uh, to work on a different kind of <laughs> famous for. So yeah, it's been interesting to to kind of live through that life over the last 35 years. You know, what, what's interesting, I have two thoughts on that. Uh, first, I have to know, like, what, what are the similarities between a, a, the pump on a rocket engine and the pump on an insulin pump, uh, you know, even at a high level? Um, but two, I think specifically in the diabetes world, I will never, ever, ever, I like, I, the way I look at summer projects has changed because of diabetes, because like <laughs> you're talking about a summer project, which influenced your entire career. And we just celebrated earlier this year, the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin, which uh, for Dr. Frederick Banting and, and Charles Best 
was a summer project. Uh, exactly. So, you know, helping uh, millions of people worldwide over a hundred years, uh, never underestimate a summer project. So That's back right. to the, back to the first question, like what, what does an insulin pump have in common with the, the pump on a rocket ship? Well, I mean, uh, believe it or not, certain things that matter to both, um, you know, are applicable. So a simple one is, you know, can't overpressure a, uh, a rocket engine pump and you definitely don't want to overpressure uh, a, an insulin pump, right? Because that means something's plugged up and, you know, that not good, meaning that patients aren't going to get uh, therapy. So that's one simple example. You're looking at both uh, to make sure that you're not, you know, causing problems uh, one way or another. The other is just the, the notion of materials. Uh, it matters, you know, what things are made out of in order to get the outcome that you want. Uh, and in both cases, that applies. And then last but not least is, uh, you know, uh, performance, right? Uh, accuracy in the case of uh, an insulin pump and, and more importantly, it's power and efficiency on, you know, a rocket engine pump. And so a lot of those things kind of apply. Uh, so it's been, it's been interesting to, to correlate. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, and I appreciate you letting me put you on the spot with that question. Uh, I'm sure that that was not in uh, our <laughs> our regular syndicated like, uh, you know, question boxes like, how do, what does a rocket ship have in common with an insulin pump? But but thank you. And I think let's let's ride that that momentum of, of a rocket ship to, you know, the the comparison of the last five to 10 years in advanced insulin pump systems. Uh, we're living in this time where, you know, we we finally have uh, insulin pump systems that automate a lot of what people with diabetes like myself uh, had previously had to manage manually. Uh, and now even this month, I'll, I'll be celebrating four years on a hybrid closed loop si system uh, from Medtronic. And, you know, when I was diagnosed 17 years ago, this is what people and my you know care team were saying that was, was on the roadmap and, and would happen sometime. And so looking back almost 20 years, uh, it's amazing to, to see how far we've come, but what do the next 20 years look like uh, for people with diabetes and in the diabetes technology space? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, just taking even a step back and you mentioned it, I mean, knowing that insulin is, you know, just hit its hundredth anniversary. It's, it's a pretty fast leap that we're making all the way up to where we are today. Um, you know, and I don't know if you ever had the chance to, uh, you know, see, we have one in our, in our, uh, uh, museum in, in the office, but the first pump that was ever made the size of a backpack that someone had to carry and kind of, you know, roll through, uh, you know, to make that work. I, I, uh, I have, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I have no seen it. And, uh, we've also had some folks on the podcast, both from Medtronic and, uh, just sort of out in the general world who tested the first pump. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll quote Dr. Gary Shiner from, uh, <laughs> from one of our previous episodes. He was saying he went on a date with the first insulin pump just to see what it would be like. And he had to have a, a separate chair for the backpack portion. I so bet he yeah. did. I bet he did. Yeah. So, so, I mean, seeing where that has come, you know, along with, you know, quite frankly, you know, Medtronic's been at the forefront of a lot of uh, advances, be it, you know, the first uh, pump to connect to a CGM uh, and get, you know, sensor augmented performance out of that, um, you know, to the first to, you know, stop insulin um, when people are low um, and, you know, create that threshold to spend um, and as such. Um, and then ultimately, you know, just seeing where we are with uh, automated insulin dosing has been, you know, very, 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 uh, uh, I'd say, fulfilling from someone that's in the middle of it. Um, but on the other end, there is so much more that we can do. Um, and because of that fact, you know, when I look out into the future, uh, you know, there's, there's a few things that have really created an environment for this to explode and do very, very well. Um, one is, 
just the notion of how how good um, you know computer processing has become and the ability to carry basically something that could get you to the moon. You know, thinking about rockets and whatnot in your pocket. Um, you know, what we have in our phones today are more capable than what got us to the moon. Um, and so, as a result, you know, we're using those kinds of things to, to our advantage because when you really think about how and what we have today uh, relative to what can, we could have in the future, there are a lot of gaps. And so today, you know, we know how much uh, insulin is going into somebody's body. Um, we know the information they provide to us, be it, you know, carb counts and the like. And then we know, you know, what the CGM reading is. But if we think about a healthy pancreas uh, for one second, you know, it gets the benefit of all of our other senses. Um, and that's something that we're trying to incorporate into our systems um, so that, you know, we can predict things more readily, just like, you know, uh, you know, with, in, in most people, when they start to smell food, uh, you know, the insulin starts, you know, getting into their body or seafood for that matter. Um, and so we need to do things like that to get ahead of, uh, you know, the sugar that's, that's entering their bloodstreams. And so a lot of what we're trying to do is along those lines. Uh, so a simple uh, method uh, that we're going after is, you know, the, 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 new, uh, the newer watches that are out there, you know, have gestures uh, capability within them. And really what I mean is that because of the accelerometer and, and whatnot that's in it, you know, we can actually see when people are putting food into their mouth. Um, and just knowing that that is something um, that we could recognize is kind of a big deal because I'm sure in, in your own um, dosing, you know, if you don't get the, the bolus timing right, um, it changes, you know, your time and range pretty dramatically. Um, and more importantly, you know, if someone forgets um, altogether, you know, that creates those bad days um, that we're all trying to avoid. And so by virtue of just knowing that someone is eating, you know, that's actually a ton of information for us. Uh, and we're, we're trying to make sure that something like that um, can get incorporated into the system. Uh, and, oh. then, and then, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I remember it, it's been a little while now, but uh, when Sean uh, Salmon came on the podcast, we talked a lot about what you're, what you're mentioning right now about the gestures and like being able to time the eating and you know the impact that he was telling me and i'm paraphrasing was missing one lunchtime bolus like once a week can have an entire point uh add an entire point to your a1c over a period of time and so when we think about people with diabetes who are carrying a lot of mental burden where you know keeping a lot of their numbers and ratios kind of balancing them in their head or whatever system that they use uh, having the technology be able to meet them and, and say, oh, hey, you know, it looks like Rob didn't bolus. Uh, now we can, you know, offer a correction bolus based on the numbers that we're seeing or the gestures that we're seeing. I mean, that is, even though it's a small like feature, has you know a, a sprawling impact. It, no doubt, and you know, it's interesting based on looking at the population. Of course, not everybody. Um, uh, it, that this that essentially one out of four meals is missed. Um, and so if you think about that as something that we could solve for, um, it does become a big deal pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that's important to note is that most people, you know, don't tend to underestimate their, their carb loads on purpose um, because, you know, no one wants to go hypo. Um, and so with all of that in mind, you know, those are areas for improvement across the board for us that we constantly look at to make better. 
Um, and, and that's why, you know, the notion of these prediction capabilities and, you know, using the information around us to make better decisions, you know, really will make an impact um, within the space. And that's where we're spending a ton of time and effort on not only the data and understanding what's actually happening, but then turning that into something that's actionable or even automatic um, um, for us to implement uh, into the system. Totally. And thank you for that, that overview. I think, you know, for me, I've, I've jotted down a couple of things and, and I want to you know, go back a little bit. Um, you talked about the importance of technology and computing power. You know, when you were mentioning that, I thought of like Moore's law, which is the, the computing power doubles every 18 months relatively. And I think now that that time frame is even shorter, you know, we're seeing uh, technology go forward at a rapid, rapid pace. Um, and I think as a consumer from speaking for myself here, but uh, I think many people have these sentiments, we're sort of spoiled by the timelines of, of big tech uh, and, you know, uh, Silicon Valley and, and emerging technology. When it comes to medical devices, it's not apples to apples. Like, what can you tell us about the approval process that goes into uh, a medical device? Like by the time a patient puts their hands on a Medtronic product, uh, like how long has that been in that approval process and how long does that generally take? Yeah, the approval process itself is actually pretty quick. Getting to an approval process is really what's hard. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, we look at every scenario that could possibly happen and make sure that, you know, the outcome of that will be safe, um, you know, for anybody that's wearing the technology. And there's a lot of things that could go wrong. <laughs> Um, and so as a result of that, you know, you have to mitigate them all or come up with a way or a means to make sure that someone, you know, honestly can't hurt themselves. Um, and, you know, we're fortunate to be talking to you in, in regards to, you know, you understand your diabetes management and, you know, have a lot of experience with it. But we also have to design this for people that don't um, and make sure that, you know, that we have the coverage in there so that just in case they do make an error um, for whatever reason, um, you know, just learning, you know, how to deal with their diabetes in the first place, um, that, you know, it's not, it's not going to create another bad day. Um, and so a lot of that work uh, ends up being thinking through all of the potential scenarios and then testing them uh, to make sure that we can essentially accommodate um, whatever crazy things that, that could potentially happen. And believe me, I've seen a lot of crazy things. Um, so so that process, honestly, on, on, on something that is not very complex, uh, you know, could take something like three years to get done, um, honestly. For something that is very complex, you know, we we're talking really five to seven um, um, to get it done. So, you know, as an example, if you take what it took to get, you know, the 670, you know, out the door, you know, that was essentially a 12-year program to do that. And when you look at all of the components of it, um, you know, each component of it ended up being its own um, development cycle. So a simple one is, you know, deciding when to exit auto mode, um, as an example, and then what happens when that happens, like how to, how to think through that. So that's a really, you know, uh, I think tangible example, but, you know, there are people behind the scenes that had to think through all of that and make sure it was safe. It did everything that it needed to do from a performance perspective. And then in any given scenario, um, you know, match up um, to what was best for the patient. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one simple thing. That's not even dosing the insulin yet. Um, and, you know, that, that, that takes quite a bit of time and effort. 
You know, it's funny. I should have given a, a trigger warning uh, to people who might be uh, triggered by the e- auto mode exit alert. <laughs> if yeah. if you have uh, if you experience the auto mode exit alert on the 670G, uh, fast forward, fast forward for this section. Um, <laughs> just uh, that's just a little funny a funny thing for me. It's uh, what's no, interesting. And, 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 and mind you, it, it's it's a good one, uh, and you know I appreciate it and understand it. And it's also one of the things that you know in our future technology that we've taken care of and made better. Um, and you know, again, this was new. And as a result of it being new, you know, we wanted to make sure that we we never did anything wrong by by people. And now in hindsight, I'm sure people, you know, are probably not happy about that. Um, but in general, the intention was to make sure that in any given case, um, you know, we're keeping them safe. Um, so the intentions, I think, were the right ones. Um, how it ended up may not have been, you know, uh, always favored by people. Um, but you know, honestly, we were looking out for them and that's why um, it is what it is. Well, and one of the things that I, I often talk about as well is like, uh, especially in the type one side and, and I've, I've done better over the years now of like, you know, speaking to diabetes in general, but on the type one side tend to get a lot of type a opinions, uh, there. So if you're, you know, uh, people with diabetes are, uh, no strangers to sharing their feedback. No, I want to talk, I want to talk a little, <laughs> like within, within that though. And like, it, and it's funny. And I, and I think, you know, when I see it online, people are so passionate about their care and like when they really take ownership of that, I think that's part of the like sort of cycle that they get into. How do you guys, you know, internally, how do you and your teams at Medtronic think about that patient experience with diabetes tech? And for me, like I'll, um, I'll share a little personal anecdote. Like, um, I'm going to spe- I'm going to do another law here. Cause I'm a big law guy. So like Gates's law is the, uh, the tendency to overestimate an impact in the short term and underestimate it in the long term. Uh, and I found myself as I, you know, cause I'm celebrating a year on the 770 G, uh, as we, at the time of recording and, and four years now with smart guard auto mode. Um, and I remember early on at the release of the 670 G, like how excited everybody was at the, you know, the first FDA approved hybrid closed loop system. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, you know, as, as a, the optimist that I am, I was like, oh, this is going to solve all my problems. We're going to, this is going to be great overestimate in the short term. Uh, and then you get in there and you, you learn about the, the automotive exit and you learn about the calibrations and you get the hang of it. You start to learn, uh, and you get comfortable with it. And, and then you start to forget the long-term impact. You know, I'm testing my blood sugar less on my, you know, manual pricks. I'm, I'm calibrating my sensor and, you know, it's a lot of site changes and a lot of sensor. It does take management, but that long-term relationship and impact on my life, at least, uh, is is significant. And I know that many patients, uh, I'm sure, feel the same way. So how do you guys internally make that connection to that reliance on technology? And like, you know, during the life of a product, when you're hearing from patients and customers, like, how do you take that and put that into action? Yeah, there's a few ways. First and foremost, I wear it. Um, even though I'm, I'm not a type one, um, you know, I, I wear CGM all the time. Uh, and on top of that, um, as it relates to the, you know, the pumps themselves, you know, I, I do a saline, uh, all the time. And a lot of that has to do with just, you know, making sure that, you know, whatever I'm, I'm asking, you know, our customers to do that I'm willing to do myself. Um, and so, and my team feels the same way. Uh, and mind you, we have quite a few people within our team that, that are type ones. Um, and so that also helps a ton also, uh, for sure. Um, but that's first and foremost, uh, you know, the best way, in my opinion, to get, you know, the, the real insight as to, hey, is this okay or not okay? Um, and, and if I'm not willing to do it, you know, I can't expect others, um, you know, to be willing to do it. Um, and so a lot of that goes into it on one end. The other is, you know, of course, we do market research and a ton of patient interviews, uh, you know, to make sure that, 
again, going back to this notion of, you know, everybody's in a different place in their journey. And because of that fact, their experience, uh, you know, is also directly correlated to where they are in their journey. And we have to also think through that too. Um, so someone that is the, these type A's that you had mentioned and what, what they want may not be directly correlated to someone that's newly diagnosed. Um, and so we got to think through the gamut of that also. And, you know, of course, the best way to do that is to ask. Um, and so we do a lot of asking. Um, and, you know, in, in, in thinking about that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, we have to make trade-offs on. And, you know, you can make the argument that sometimes we don't do a good job on the trade-offs here and there. And then sometimes I think we do. Uh, and so our goal is to first and foremost, get the information, um, put it into action, and then, you know, create a product that people want and like. Um, and then, um, you know, in some cases, you know, we, we have also found that, you know, people, uh, when we first ask them the question, can't necessarily correlate it directly to their life because it's hypothetical. You know, it, you know, the, the, the one that always, you know, kind of comes up, uh, you know, through my, my years here is, you know, why doesn't the, the device have a quick bolus uh, button on it, you know, as an example. Um, and, you know, the reason for that is every time we actually ask people, hey, would you like a quick bolus button? They say, yes, I would love to have one. Right. Okay. And then we go and say, okay, here it is. How would you use it? And then we find out that they would never use it because they would want to pull out uh, their pump or their phone or whatever, see where their CGM is at. And then based on that, decide what the bolus anyway. Uh, and so to have a button that, you know, is two units at a time, you know, kind of defeats the purpose because, you know, you're going to be looking at your pump anyway or your phone anyway. Um, and so it's things like that, that, you know, we're constantly, and I just use that as a simple example, but it's things like that, that, you know, if you don't ask the right questions, you know, you're not necessarily going to get the answers you want either. Um, and so we, we, we watch that very carefully too, um, to make sure that as we go, um, you know, we're solving the right problem um, and the ultimate need um, that somebody has instead of their desire at the moment, if that makes sense. No, that, that does. And, and I think, you know, thank you for that, that clarification. And like, it's interesting. And I think something you mentioned a couple of times already is that the patient's relationship with technology and their relationship with diabetes varies so widely because of, we're not all diagnosed at the same time. There's not a uniform diagnosis That's experience. Right. And, uh, you know, there's it, diabetes does not discriminate against lifestyle or age or, uh, you know, technology aversion or, you know, technology adoption. And something that I think a lot about is, the customer journey or patient journey of someone with diabetes from day one to year 10 and to year 20. And like, what are their, you know, psychosocial responses in each one of those? And like, what are the key milestones in their, their journey with diabetes? And, um, you know, speaking of that journey, uh, Sean and, and the other Medtronic executives that I've had on over the years and, and yourself, you, you mentioned this already has been very vocal about meeting patients where they are in that journey and how, you know, how do you, tie innovation to that promise. I know that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of product innovation more recently and adding different products to the suite, um, to give patients more options under the Medtronic banner. Uh, how do you, uh, how do you guys, you know, follow through with that internally and what, what does that look like to you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few things there to, to speak through, you know, one is, you know, to the, you know, based off of the notion of, you know, meeting patients, uh, where they are, you know, it shouldn't be predisposed on our part, on our part that everybody will want to pump. You know, they they probably don't, and and I think the market is telling us that too. And so 
So as a result, we're trying to make sure that, you know, from a product portfolio perspective, you know, we can provide them whatever they need in order to do uh, what they would like to do with their diabetes management. So sure, on one end of the spectrum, we have automated insulin dosing, of course, um, and we'll continue to advance that. Um, and we have been advancing that, especially as of right now in Europe and otherwise, but, and we can talk about that if you, if you like, but then, you know, all the way on the other spectrum, you know, many people don't know this, but we um, also, you know, sell a port and that port really is like an infusion set with a septum on it. So that someone on MBI, you know, doesn't have to give themselves injections per se, um, you know, you know, three, four, five times a day. Um, but instead, you know, like an infusion set, put it on for three days and then use the port or the, over that period of time. Um, and then we kind of have everything in between. Um, and so standalone CGM, you know, a smart pen integrated system with CGM um, and then, you know, a sensor augmented pump um, as well. And so our intention is to give people um, those options and then based off of those options, you know, they can decide what works best for them and what they're comfortable with. And you know, how much um, they, they would like us um, to help them. Uh, and so, you know, on top of that, though, you know, the question is, uh, you know, on the extreme side, how much can we do um, safely and effectively? Breaking that down to really what the crux of it is, um, is, you know, my goal is to have people forget that they have type one. And the way to do that is to make it very simple to wear um, as if it's not even there on their body. Um, and it basically takes care of their, their diabetes needs. So, you know, I, I can see in the not so distant future, you know, a, a, a place where, you know, people are putting their insulin, you know, into a reservoir, you know, placing something on their body and they're, they're good to go. Uh, and, you know, it takes care of, uh, their, their, their needs with, with their diabetes. And so, you know, that means, uh, you know, we have to do better with CGM. We have to do better. Um, with uh, the form factors that we use for the pumps themselves and make them very easily wearable. You know, we have to make things smaller uh, and more compact so that they don't feel like, you know, you're, you're carrying, uh, you know, a Walkman on your body, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it. And probably maybe an iPod is more, uh, I don't think they make those anymore, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, something of that size um, wouldn't be okay. And then more importantly, then, um, you know, using, you know, Moore's law to your point uh, and taking that computing power and turning it into, uh, you know, automaticity for for people so that you know, we can do better. And so all of that's in play right now. It's really interesting to think about and, and you know, thank you for kind of showing where we've come in that roadmap. And, you know, I think something that's really interesting that you've touched on multiple times really regarding technology, but I think is also very cool and encouraging to me as someone who's lived with diabetes now for uh, almost two decades, the experience for somebody diagnosed today is a measure of at least 10 X greater than the experience or, you know, the technology and experience of managing diabetes 15, 17 years ago for me. And like to understand like that, like it's impossible to explain like all that went into that to that new person, but also like, I think what gives me sort of hope and encouragement is to look back another 20 years from my diagnosis or another 50 years even, um, and see what people were going through, uh, only a very short time ago in the, re in the realm of like humans lifespans, uh, you know, one, a single generation ago, we were boiling syringes and, uh, it, you know, injecting cow insulin and had uh, a two hour wait time for, uh, you know, peeing on keto sticks, you know, so uh, 
there, it, we've come a long way. It's impossible to, to articulate to that somebody, to someone who's been diagnosed in, in 2022, that this really is a, a tremendous step forward. And I think that that perspective is, is interesting. I, I love the idea of customization and personalization of, of settings within a singular device. Um, we talk a lot about on the podcast, diabetes doesn't look the same for everyone. Not all diabetes is created equal. You know, people are, are humans and their physiology interacts with diabetes in different ways based on so many different factors. It's, you know, the, it's the disease with too many inputs as they say. Uh, so to be able to have that customization and say, Hey, well, I, I would like to be more aggressive or my personality or my ideal on ideal diabetes management is very aggressive, or maybe it's not, maybe my target is a little bit higher. I like to ease into that. Uh, or, you know, I have, I think there is a lot of, uh, you, you've mentioned fear of hypoglycemia, of, uh, due to uh, a higher, too much, too much insulin dose. Uh, so I, you know, I think it's a very real, you know, thing for many people, many patients having the option is, is pretty incredible and looking forward to, uh, getting to experience that hopefully some, sometime soon. I, and I know like that is a sort of short-term goal. What can you share about long-term you, you've talked a little bit about you know, uh, reducing size, like, uh, you know, accessibility, like infusion sets, making things, you know, easier. What's, what's some of the long-term goals that you have sort of on your, on your roadmap or, uh, that you can share with us today? Yeah. So, so, I mean, maybe even starting with that notion of personalization, cause it's a good one. Um, you know, we do know that, you know, every individual is different. Um, you know, even the way that they react to food, um, is different. I know for me, like when I wear CGM, uh, the thing, the thing that scared the crap out of me more than anything was when I had a Jamba Juice and saw, you know, what, what happened, uh, uh, to, yeah, it was, it was, it was straight, straight shock. Uh, uh, and, you know, since then, I don't think I've allowed my kids to have them ever since. Um, but, you know, truth be told the, 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 the power of that is knowing what's happening and why it's happening and then making, uh, the inferences and then, um, adapting that to yourself, um, you know, can make a huge difference in, 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 in the management of diabetes really can. I mean, something as simple as, you know, we kind of take it for granted, but, you know, just take the idea of today, you probably have four or five carb ratios, um, uh, so, you know, selected in your, in your device. Well, you know, the, back to this notion of computing power, there's no reason why we can't have a dynamic carb ratio you know, that, that changes by day, by hour. Um, and you know, you, it would better handle your, 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 your needs. And so I'm sure, you know, thinking through just basic things that could happen along those lines, right. You know, Monday through Friday, you have one schedule Saturday, Sunday, you have a very dynamic one probably. Um, and being able to accommodate that well is important. Um, and so, those are the kinds of things that we're trying to build in, um, to make personalized because we know, that you know the 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 notion of uh, people being predictable like that is unlikely. It's not real, um, and you know a, a healthy pancreas doesn't care, and so should, we shouldn't either. Um, and so so it's that kind of stuff that that we're putting into the device to figure out and use you know the notion of the the phone and otherwise to get smarter about it. So as an example, you now you go to your favorite restaurant, um, and you know I've I've done this enough times with my own CGM right. Uh, but, but, you know, when you go to your favorite restaurant, it's very likely that you're ordering the same thing. Right. And because of that fact, um, you know, the first time that the, the device and system would see it, you know, notice that you're, you're here, this is what your, you know, technically your carb load is, this is what your CGM graph looked like. This is how you bolus. Um, and you know, everything's fine. 
then the next time you come, uh, you know, there's no reason why we can't use that information and provide an insight um, and say, hey, look, the last time you were here, this is what you did. And, you know, here is something that may be better. Um, and you may want to try this. And if we see it often enough, maybe on the third or fourth, we're saying, hey, look, I think, you know, we got this handled for you. Would you like us to take care of it? And, you know, someone just says yes, and we're on our way, right? And so that's not a crazy notion, um, to be honest with you. And because of how things are set up these days with the notion of these sensors, location, time of day, I mean, you name it, all of these things are important things for us to use uh, uh, to, to help manage and to make things easier um, for people. And so, so that's one end of the spectrum for sure that we're spending a lot of time and effort in, um, you know, to make, to make the system better. But then the other is like I had mentioned, you know, the where's got to get better too. Um, and because of that, you know, we're doing quite a bit of work on um, not only on the sensors, but on the pumps too, um, you know, to make them more discreet, you know, easier to put under clothing. I know where I wear a pump and the number of times I've knocked it off of my body in a, in a doorway. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, worse yet, you break the belt clip, pump lands on the ground and, you know, you, you ding it. And then, you know, that's, that's frustrating too. And so it's those kinds of things that we honestly look at and try to make, um, you know, uh, our products way more um, capable so that, um, you know, that, that those kinds of things don't frustrate people. I, I want to thank you, Ali, for for spending time with us today and really digging into you know a lot of really uh, overarching questions and themes that people with diabetes have uh, on a regular basis. And I know they're going to get a lot out of this. I, I plugged a question into uh, our list that is a little bit more personal. Is, is uh, that because I think I get a lot of questions, and and I personally have had a lot of questions over the years, and I've benefited greatly from my relationship with Medtronic and getting to talk to people like you and various team members uh, with throughout the organization. And it's really opened up my eyes to a little bit more about the behind the scenes uh, to help understand the medical technology world. Uh, so I, I'd love to know, you know, if, if you think of, or if there's any books or, or journals or publications that you would recommend our listeners, you know, take up or listen to or read that can help them understand a little bit more about the medical technology world. Anything come to mind? Yeah, so, so, you know, the, the books that are out there on med device are uh, what I, I mean, I, if, if you want something to put you to sleep, you know, there's plenty <laughs> of them. Um, you know, a book that, that I liked, um, mainly just because it, it makes you think differently about what matters and what doesn't, um, is called Frugal Innovation. Um, and really what, what the context of the book was, was really trying to get products and services um, in places like India to be successful. Now, what needs to be true in order to, to make that happen? Um, and, and, and the real reason why I, I like that um, was because it, it basically forces you to think about what matters and what doesn't. Because in many cases, you know, we build and our, you know, our engineers are, are famous for this. They have these great ideas and they just want to see them come to light. But forget about the fact that it creates complexity and doesn't necessarily always, you know, a lot of times it does, um, uh, you know, deal and manage what needs to get managed directly for the customer. Uh, and so in, in my mind, I, I try to simplify things enough so that the primary things that need to get done, get done well. And sure, we can add these bells and whistles as we need to, but at least for the, you know, the construct of what needs to happen um, within that device is front and center. And we focus our attention on, on the stuff that matters most. 
And even though that's not the exact premise um, of, of, the, uh, of the book, uh, it forced me to think that way and remember that that's what matters. Um, so, you know, in the case of, of our technologies, <clears throat> it's making sure that, you know, we do the best we can uh, in keeping people safe, uh, first and foremost, but then more importantly, you know, getting them to forget that they have diabetes. And so that's the bottom line. No, that's really interesting. And, and thank you for that point. I think in the creative world, uh, we talk about this uh, internally at, at both of my companies, like that there's no greater punishment than a great idea because then you got to follow through. And it sounds like that's what you and your, uh, your innovation teams are, are actively experiencing. And uh, I'll definitely check, out, check that out and I'll uh, link it in the show notes as well to Frugal Innovation for those who might be interested in reading. Uh, Ali, thank you, man, for, for the time this morning, uh, for you know, being so giving uh, in terms of digging into the questions. It was great to talk to you. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hang out with you uh, more at, pre- at uh, subsequent Medtronic events. And if anybody wants to follow you, are you active on social media anywhere? Or, uh, you know, I know you I'm occasionally appear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you're I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, I, I kind of ghost myself on, on everything else. Um, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So yeah, they're, they're welcome to, to, to check out there. Awesome. Well, uh, Ali, again, thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, thank you to Medtronic Diabetes for making this possible. And just a reminder, I am a paid spokesperson for Medtronic, uh, but the thoughts and opinions today are are my own. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening.